And let me read verse 1 again. Look down at it. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Now, the first um, images of the James Webb telescope were released just under two weeks ago. Many of you will have seen the spectacular images splashed across newspapers or in amazing documentaries. Um, The next picture shows the Carina Nebula, a star-forming region 7,600 light years away. And um, stars are newly forming in this region. The next picture shows a planet. Look at the incredible detail. That's a planet in a different solar system. I don't know if um, someone at this church had special insight when planning this series, um, but that release of those pictures goes really well with the timing of this Psalm 8. You see, Psalm 8 would agree with the hype. The cosmos is spectacular. The night sky is truly awesome. And yet, so often the modern world's response is, well, very different from the writer of this psalm, the writer David. This year we've been appalled by the invasion of Ukraine by Russia. Putin and the Russian soldiers and tanks viciously taking what doesn't belong to them. But you know, a greater evil has been going on since the beginning of human history. And that is humans stealing the praise that is due to God for what he's made and taking that praise and glory for themselves. Because most of us don't naturally praise God for the amazing world that he's made. When the images of the James Webb telescope were revealed, Joe Biden, the president of America, was reported as saying, these images are going to show the world how awesome God is? No. These images are going to remind the world that America can do big things. And remind the American people, especially our children, that we are so small, but God is so mighty. No? To remind the American people, especially our children, that there's nothing beyond our capacity. Russia tries to take Ukraine for herself, and humanity tries to take the praise due to God for ourselves. Now, maybe you're visiting, and uh, honestly, you find it hard to believe that there's a creator God who made everything, and you feel somewhat uncomfortable about yourself being compared to Russian aggression against Ukraine. But I'm not picking on anyone. All of us, by nature, fail to give thanks and praise and glory to the Creator as we should. After all, most of society today thinks that the mature view is to believe that everything is here by random chance. 
Richard Dawkins, though he is filled with wonder at God's world, dismisses giving praise to God as backwards and childish. Which brings us to our first point in verse 2. Have a look down at verse 2. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. He's talking to God and he shows us that children's praises are made to triumph. Children's praises are made to triumph. The strong things, the foe, the avenger here, are not just defeated, they're silenced. Watch out, Professor Dawkins. Silenced by children and infants. So what these children speak, um, it's not going to be sophisticated words. Children's praises are made to triumph. Yes, God is the one who establishes the stronghold, but he does it through the kids and their words. Children's praises are made to triumph. This is surprising, but it also shows us, can I say, even more than the cosmos, it shows us the majesty of God. Of course, the writer David had experienced this in his own life. You know the story of David and Goliath. When baby David arrives on the scene to fight Goliath, Goliath is shouting, This day I defy the armies of God. Give me a man and let us fight each other. But through David, the kid, God silenced the foe. It's actually very interesting when you read the account in 1 Samuel 17. About half the chapter is given to David's words. He says things like, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? His brothers, seven big brothers, can you imagine that? They get cross with him and he says, Can't I even speak? Well, he must go on speaking because... It's through that that God will silence the foe. As David approaches Goliath, he says to the towering giant, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel. Can you hear him praise God? This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. All those gathered here will know that it is not by the spear or the sword that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. Children's praises are made to triumph. That's the principle David is pondering as he marvels at the majesty of God in the cosmos, but even more in the way that God lifts up the small and weak. God didn't create a universe where the Goliaths win in the end, where the sneering, arrogant, powerful, self-glorifying people win in the end. No, children's praises are made to triumph. And you know, 
we see the same principle in the life of Jesus. So in the second Bible reading that Gabby read today, there was the scene from Matthew's Gospel. It comes just after Jesus rides on a donkey into Jerusalem, lowly, humble. And the little children in the temple are shouting, Hosanna to the son of David, which roughly means, oh, save us, great Messiah. It's the kids who praise the humble king who's going to save. The chief priests and teachers of the law, they want Jesus to stop them, to make them quiet. And what does Jesus do? He quotes this psalm, this verse. Have you never read, says Jesus, from the lips of children and infants, you, Lord, have called forth your praise? Jesus doesn't finish the verse, but the implication is, Jesus is saying through the words of David, the praise of these young ones is stronger than you know. Oh, Jesus doesn't fight with swords, and the chief priests and teachers of the law see to it that Jesus is tried and crucified. But, and this is the majesty of God, in being crucified, Jesus saves the world. He's raised to life victorious, and then exalted to the right hand of God. And long after the echoes of the children's praise has died away, the physical temple in which the chief priests cared so much about is destroyed, never to be built again. Children's praises are made to triumph. Well, we're in a culture today that screams out exuberant faith in God is childish. Do you feel that? Much more mature to have a brave, grown-up, atheistic view of the world. My wife Catherine and I were on a tour of the Royal College of Physicians garden just up the road um, by Regent's Park a couple of weeks ago. And the tour guide said, now people used to think that plants... Um, could help us with various medical issues because God had provided them for that purpose. But no one thinks that now. And Catherine, my wife, said, I think that. But it was ignored and we just felt a bit uncomfortable. I'm a scientist and I can make a very strong argument for the creator, God. But even if we can't, even if we're silenced, We don't need to worry. God will see to it that children's praises are made to triumph. So can I encourage you, if you're a believer, to be unashamed in declaring God as creator. Maybe you're with friends who aren't Christians on holiday and you see a beautiful sunset. Why not say something like, isn't God the creator amazing? Why not pray that you'd have courage to do that? Children's praises are made to triumph. Then continuing the theme 
of smallness being given great importance and dignity. Children's praises are made to triumph. We come to our second point, which is tiny humans are made to rule. Look down at verse 3. Verse 3, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. Perhaps we're to imagine David lying down in the wilderness, looking up at the night sky. But David goes on, verses 4 and 5, what is mankind that you're mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. Tiny humans are made to rule. What David wants you and I to see and be even more awed by than the night sky is that tiny humans are made to rule God's world, given great dignity, importance by this creator God. My dad, who isn't a believer, once said to me something like, I just cannot believe that a God would make a massive universe, 14 billion light years, and care about one insignificant species on one insignificant planet. But that is the majesty of God. Tiny humans are made to rule. Verse 6, you made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet. David gets that from Genesis 1, where God says, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and wild animals and all all the creatures that move along the ground. Tiny humans are made to rule. By the way, that means that we ought to take care of God's world as best we can. Christians should be among the foremost recyclers on their street. Are you? Tiny humans are made to rule. So if any of us go to the moon, if we visit Mars, when we travel through space, we're traveling through that which The creator God made for us, humans, to oversee. Are you amazed by that? Can you see the privilege, feel the majesty? Sometimes with my family, we visit National Trust houses, um, like uh, Waddesdon Manor in Buckinghamshire. You know, magnificent grounds, with lakes and multiple buildings, beautiful residences, towers. Imagine if we'd spent all day exploring the grounds of one of those places. And just as we're coming out the exit from the Great Hall, someone comes up to us and says, "Um, are you Richard East? We decided to give you this property. Uh, it's It's all yours to have as your family home. Here are the keys. Everything's arranged. You can move in whenever you like. That's the sense of this psalm. The majesty not only of what God created, the cosmos, 
but what he does with it. Tiny humans are made to rule. But you may be thinking, well, it doesn't really feel like the works of God's hands are under our feet. It doesn't really feel like we're ruling, certainly not very successfully. Which brings us to our third point, which is that failed humanity is made to reign. Failed humanity is remade to reign. Children's praises are made to triumph. Tiny humans are made to rule. Failed humanity is remade to reign. The evidence is all around us, isn't it, that we failed to rule as we should have done. I think we've all experienced this week the searing reality of global warming. I had a 6 a.m. Zoom meeting on Wednesday morning. All the windows open, desperately trying to keep my room cool. How about a little thing called the coronavirus? Shutting us up indoors. Changing our lives. It really doesn't feel like creation is under our feet, does it? Even tsunamis and earthquakes, they are evidence that as humanity, we've gone badly wrong. And it goes back, says the Bible, to what we were thinking about at the beginning, that we failed to give thanks to and glorify God. We failed to give away the obedience due to him. We naturally think, I'm going to choose how I want to live, rather than realizing that, yes, we are rulers, but under him. Like a school teacher, you're in charge of the classroom, but you need to pay attention to what the head teacher says and the governor says. No, we've failed to rule as we should. But with the coming of Jesus, failed humanity is remade to reign. Think back to that scenario where my family are given keys to the National Trust property. Imagine if we enjoyed it in a totally selfish way. You know, trashed the place, bulldozed buildings just for fun, paid no attention to the gardens, carefully sculpted bushes becoming overgrown, fish and animals neglected. Do you feel the horror of abusing that privilege, that generosity? In many ways, you and I have treated what God has given to us in that way. And in our scenario, wouldn't we completely deserve to be thrown off the site? But with the coming of Jesus, failed humanity is remade to reign. I'd like you to turn forward in your Bibles to um, Hebrews chapter 2. And um, this psalm is quoted at length. And um, it's going to really help us see this third point, that failed humanity is remade to reign with the coming of Jesus. Um, so Hebrews chapter 2 and verse, this section starts in verse 5. And I'm just going to read verse 5. It is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come. 
about which we are speaking. I'll stop there. So there's a world to come, a cosmos renewed. But even though you would think God would give that to someone much more worthy than we've showed ourselves to be, like perhaps to angels, but no, instead failed humanity are remade to reign. You see, the author of Hebrews then quotes Psalm 8. What is mankind that you are mindful of, mindful of them? And then after that, can you see halfway through verse 8, he says, in putting everything under them, humans, God left nothing that is not subject to them. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to them. Tiny humans are made to rule, but as we've seen, the world is broken and we're not in control. Then verse 9. Amazing, verse 9. But we do see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor, because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. We find out that Psalm 8, really points forward to Jesus. In astounding generosity, Jesus comes into our world, exchanging heavenly glory for human body and tasting death. All the shame of our failure to rule rightly in God's world. All the cost of the damages from the way we've treated his world. Jesus wore the shame. Jesus financed the cost. So no wonder that it is Jesus who will rightly rule God's renewed creation. As the New Testament puts it, God has put all things under Jesus' feet and appointed him to be head over everything. Jesus is the one who will reign over God's renewed creation. But the story doesn't stop there. You see, the story could end there. God doesn't need humans. Why would he bother with us? Why would he forgive any one of us? What is mankind that you're mindful of him? But we've seen God's majesty is shown as he delights to lift up the weak and the feeble. And so just as Jesus is lifted up from death to reigning king, astoundingly, Jesus invites us, everyone in this room, who will come to reign with him. Failed humanity is remade to reign. Anyone who will acknowledge the ugly crime of saying, shove off God, anyone who comes to Jesus for forgiveness, anyone who does that, the end of the Bible says of them, they will reign forever and ever. Failed humanity is remade in Jesus to reign Going back to our National Trust property, imagine that after we trust it, the grandson of the original owners 
buys back the property at great personal expense. He comes to you who've wrecked what was his family home. And he says, I'm not going to give up on this place and I'm not going to give up on you. I'm going to restore this place to its former glory. And what's more, I'm going to make you fit and ready to take care of it. Failed humanity are remade to reign. This is astoundingly good news if you're a Christian here tonight. And it means that every human being here tonight is potentially a co-ruler with Jesus of the renewed cosmos. Every human being. Can I ask, is that how you view people? Potential co-rulers of the universe. Is that how you view, for example, your annoying neighbor? A potential co-ruler of the universe. If he, she comes to Jesus. Is that how you view the person begging at the station whom you see every day? You see, human beings, though they don't deserve it, we don't deserve it, are given amazing dignity. Failed humanity, even failed prime ministers, can be remade to reign with Jesus. And if you and I saw people in that way, wouldn't we be more excited to invite them into Jesus' story? Children's praises are made to triumph. Tiny humans are made to rule. Failed humanity is remade to reign. We started with the grandeur of the universe. Let's be people who give praise to God for what he's made. But even more, let's be people who thrill to the way he lifts up the small and weak, like you and like me. Let's pray together. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Lord, we pray for ourselves. Help us to know in our hearts your awesome majesty. And we pray for our world, that those we know, those we meet, would know in their hearts your awesome majesty. For Jesus Christ's sake, amen.